1: Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us on Always Right Radio AM 1420. The answer. It is nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It is the ninth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2022.
0: In the stairwell of the South Tower, Lynn Young is carefully working her way down the stairs. On the 51st floor, Young meets Fire Marshal Ronald Bucca and his partner. Bucca knows the World Trade Center well. He kept a set of blueprints in his locker after investigating the 1993 bombing, convinced that terrorists would one day return to finish the job. His partner stays behind to assist Young as Buka continues climbing stairs two at a time toward the impact zone. Outside, news cameraman Jack Taliarcho has gained access to the plaza
2: between the two towers. The plaza was completely empty. There was debris everywhere. The strangest thing about being out there uh, was that the Muzak, that normally would play out in the plaza, so this outdoor music, was still playing on the sp- loudspeakers.
0: All around the towers, people can hear another sound, one they will never forget. Every couple of seconds, you would hear a bang. And what that bang was was a body hitting the ground
2: it was the most
0: god-awful song you can imagine. You like, just cringe knowing that someone else just died and someone
2: else just died and someone else just died. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough to see that. Yeah, you know, it was, Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I witnessed at least 20 people deciding to, you know, Free themselves from whatever hell they were in and, uh, you know, and and jump.
0: And there was one girl in particular that I remember. This woman came out on some kind of a jagged beam. Uh, Glass blew out, flame shot out, black smoke. The fire had now reached her floor. And um, she's standing there. And I guess she gave up hope. And uh, she blessed herself. And she looked up to the sky and put her arms out,
2: stretched her arms out, and just jumped. I looked up, and I saw sort of like a, a waving way up on, like, the 90th floor. There was a man wearing a suit. And he was hanging out of the window and waving his suit jacket frantically like trying to call for help. It walked out onto the ledge and behind him was a raging, raging inferno. And after a a few seconds, he started to kind of climb down the, 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 the face of the building. And as he was climbing down, it looked like he had some kind of rope or something. So he, he's kind of making his way down, and then he lost his grip.
1: It is now 21 years <clears throat> since the uh, day of the world changed, and uh, for 20 years I have been doing a special 9-11 commemoration type of program on the radio. Every year, I've just made the decision that as long as I have a platform and as long as I have the the microphone and the transmitter to make this work, every year I would make sure that we kept our promise to never forget. Uh, that was the that was the mantra in the days after 9/11. Maybe even on the day of, it was the mantra. It was it was we will never forget this. Um, they made shirts, they made bumper stickers, never forget. Um, I took it very, very seriously, and I just made that decision that every year on the anniversary of 9-11, I would do my part to make sure we never forgot the pain, the shock, the anguish, the heartache, the terror. Uh, That's probably the... Probably the the operative word is the terror. Uh, that's what terrorists do, after all. They cause and foment terror, and they did. Our nation was terrorized. We were terrified as we watched all of this play out on our television screens. That's to say nothing of the people who saw it up close and personal on the ground. Um... Today is the ninth morning, not the 11th morning of the month of of September, of course. Uh, It just so happens this year that 9-11 falls on a Sunday, so we will not have a live show at that time. That's why we're doing this today. Uh, I had a choice, Friday or Monday. I think Monday after the fact, after all of the commemorative events are held at Ground Zero in New York and at the Pentagon and in Shanksville, I kind of felt like doing it Monday would be... Anticlimactic, so I decided to do this today. Um, it's not the only thing we're going to do today, by the way. We do have current events, breaking news, the death of Queen Elizabeth. Um, there are other things that we have to discuss, and we will. But I'm going to make this a, a big portion of the show today, even though, again, it's a little bit awkward because it's not on the date. Next year will be certainly easier, as next year 9-11 will fall on a Monday, and we'll do it live at the time. But what you just heard was, to me, um, maybe the most impactful of the memories, uh, the, the, the shock and the horror of everything from the people who saw the first plane hit, Then the world on television seeing the second plane hit because of live coverage of the first one. Um, For the longest time, that was the most shocking thing. Then to see the South Tower collapse on live television, that was the most shocking thing that we saw. Then wondering, is the other one going to go down too? And sure enough to see the other one. The plumes of smoke, the massive... Debris field, the the enormous dust and debris clouds that chased people through the streets of New York. For the longest time, those were the most shocking, um, and for some, maybe still, um, the most vivid memories uh, of of the of the of the horror. But for me. It wasn't at the moment, obviously, because, like I said, for the longest time, those were the most shocking things. And for me, that was the case until we found out about the jumpers. And once we heard about the jumpers and found out what had happened, um, that was the game changer for me. That now is the most indelible uh, part of of that that horrific attack on our country and on our people um, that I I can process. The videos that emerged after the fact, the zoom-ins on people hanging outside the buildings, hanging outside their windows, waving suit jackets, tablecloths, Anything they could find to draw attention to themselves as if to say, get the helicopter over here and save me. Get over here. Help me. Um, That became the the most direct impression, I guess, on me that that, that I have of that day. Um, I think the description you just heard in the brief three-minute clip that I played from one of the many, many, many just wonderful... Um, all-encompassing documentaries that have been done to really honor the victims and to tell the true story of what happened on that day. That little three-minute clip there was so important to me. That's why I started the show with it, because as you heard the one person say, um, seeing people make the decision to free themselves of whatever hell they were in, that um is perhaps the most personal uh, experience, I suppose, that that we can try to share to be in a in a raging inferno and know that your choices were to die in flames, which one doesn't want to imagine, or die falling which one doesn't want to imagine. But if anything captures the horror and the terror uh, of, the, of the day more than any of the other elements of it, to me, that would be it. I remember flying for the first time after 9-11. I don't remember when. I was living in California at the time. And it was a trip back home. This is, of course, after the... All flights were grounded for a very lengthy period of time after this. Um, And it was after everything was started back up again. I remember flying afterwards. And I remember sitting in window seats and trying to press the side of my face up against the window to see if I can see forward. I wanted to see if I could see toward the front of the plane. And physically, it was impossible. You, you just can't. it's, just, it's the, the, the angle of the aircraft, of course, you just can't. You can see to the side, you can see somewhat toward the front, I suppose. But what I wanted to know when I would press my face against that window is, could the passengers see what was in front of them? Could they see that they were about to hit a building? Could they see that their lives were about to end? For the longest time, that was my most personal moment or my most personal attempt at a shared experience with the victims. Could they see, did they know what they were about to do? And if they couldn't do that, obviously the anybody who's was flown, you can see when you're making your descent to your destination, you know the ground gets closer and closer, and you're like, you know, we're not at thirty-five thousand feet anymore. we no, there are no clouds below us now. Now I can actually see Earth, and now I can actually see highways in the distance, and um, if you're flying over a city, maybe you can see, a, you know, see the cities and that sort of thing. Could they see how low they were? Could they see what they were about to experience? I didn't know but I wanted to know because I I feel empathy can only come from some sort of an understanding of of the terror that they went through and for the longest time that was my that was my lens I suppose but then when I learned more and more about the experiences not just of those who were in the building and of course you can play role reversal there and Imagine being in a skyscraper today, even, looking out a window. Can you imagine what your feelings would be if there were an aircraft, a jet, a 757, bearing down upon you? I mean, just the shock, the horror for those people as well. Um, I, I've tried to put myself in so many victims' shoes between the people in the buildings, the people on the planes, the people who, after the impact, were in those windows hanging out and hoping to for, for a lifeline somewhere before deciding I can't burn to death. Um, away I go. I've tried very, very hard to, to try to put myself in all of their positions. Just again, because I think that's the The best way to have the empathy and to feel the the horror, I suppose. Um, And I oftentimes forget about people who were on the ground. And that's why I played that clip for you as well. It's one thing to be in the windows and to make that ultimate fateful decision. It's another thing to be on the ground just shocked at the horror of what you're looking up at and seeing the buildings on fire. It's another thing to hear those... Thumps every few seconds and to realize what they were hearing and maybe even witnessing. Now, a lot of what I'm saying this morning is graphic, it's sad, it's terrifying, and maybe you're like, okay, okay, we get it. And I guess I would just say, do you? Do you really? Because if you're tired of hearing about it already, then you broke our vow. If you're tired of thinking about it, if you're going to flip past on the channel guide, all of the commemorations, documentaries on 9-11 over the course of this weekend, if you're going to flip past them because I know what happened already, spoiler alert, the buildings fell, move on. If that is your attitude, you are entitled to it but just know that you broke your vow, our vow, to never forget. Um, That day changed my life. That day changed my life very profoundly because I flipped on the TV screen in California holding my three-week-old daughter, feeding her in the early morning. And that's when I saw it happen, and that's when I knew my world had changed. And the little girl that I had just brought into this world was entering something that I couldn't comprehend. That day changed me immensely. It changed my politics. It changed my awareness. changed my desire to know what's going on around the world. And for the last 21 years, um, I think it's changed us all